0: If you're new here or second-timer, I want to say thank you for joining us. Um, We are glad that you are here. We are doing a study through the book of Mark where we are just looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it looks like to know Jesus and what it looks like to be known by Jesus. And we're in this passage in um, Mark chapter 7. And we're gonna read two different stories that Mark, who wrote this, Mark wants us to read these stories together. He wants us to read these stories together because um, the one story shines light on the other, and then the other story shines light on the first story. They kind of reflect off of each other, make it kind of this complete story. And what you're gonna find is that in both of these stories, We find a woman and a man who are in very similar circumstances, circumstances I wonder if you've ever been in before. Both of them are in a certain set of circumstances where they are at their wits end, that where they are at, they feel stuck. Where they are at, they no longer want to be stuck, but they have no idea how to move forward. Now, in this first story, it seems as if the reason why this woman is in such a tough spot is because of some decisions she's made. Have any of you ever made some decisions, not wise, but foolish, and you find yourself in a spot where you go, I didn't ever want to be here. And I have no idea how to get out. The next story is about a man to no fault of his own. He is in dire, a dire circumstance that he can do nothing about. And both of these people are in situations that they would love to see changed, but have no power and no ability in and of themselves to change those circumstances. You ever been there? As a pastor, I get to... I get to know some of you guys pretty deeply and get to sit on the front row seat of some of these situations. How many times I've sat with people who've struggled with miscarriages and you're at this place where you've experienced so much loss and it's like, how do I go forward? I've sat with others who who lose a job and don't know if they're going to get another one, don't know if they're going to be able to provide for their family. What, What do you do there? Or others who are in a marriage where they feel like they're doing everything they can, but it's just, it doesn't feel like it's working. Or for others, it's a chronic illness. For others, it's a dying parent. The reality is, is if you and I live long enough, we are going to find ourselves in these situations over and over again where we feel at our wits end. And yet there's nothing, it seems, we are able to do. This is a story about what Jesus can do that you can. not This is a story about the grace of God in your life, even if you don't deserve it. And so maybe some of you are here and you feel a little stuck. Jesus can do what you can. Some of you maybe are here and you have a circumstance that is beyond you. The grace of God is not. And so let's look at this story. I'm going to warn you. The first story is interesting. I'll just leave it at that. How's, how's that? And this is how it goes it says, And from there, Jesus arose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That was way north of Jerusalem. We'll see why that's important in a moment. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Did you catch that? Jesus goes into this house, doesn't want anybody to know, yet he could not be hidden. I kind of pondered that idea that that here Jesus is kind of tucking away. He's in this house and he cannot be hidden. And I think one of the things that Mark, when he wrote this, I think when we read that, what he wants us to realize is this, Jesus can't be hidden. It's not as if Jesus, it's not as if God is trying to hide from you. It's not as if God is like, I don't want them to know me. I don't want them to experience my grace. No, 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 no. Jesus Wants, desires to be found by you. He's not hiding. If anything, we're doing the we're doing the hiding. So it says Jesus, he he couldn't be hidden. It says, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell down at his feet. Now, we need to pause here for a moment. You have this woman, and it says she has a little daughter with an unclean spirit. We're going to be told that she has a demon. Now, I realize us modern people are like, demons? Really? People like this this little girl is demon possessed? Once I tell you a little bit more about this woman, you will go, okay, all right, I can see why there's some demon, demonic activity going on here. But I want you to get this picture. It's a woman. She's got a young daughter. My youngest is five. That's probably about the age of this girl. Anybody got a four or five, six year old? Anybody? Anybody? Any of you ever had a four or five, six year old? Okay. Many of you. You ever been four or five, six years old? Okay, man, this, this story is relevant to your life. But don't miss this picture. You have this woman. Where's the husband? Maybe there's no husband. Um, maybe she's a widow. We're going to read a little bit more about her background. Maybe she's not a widow. Maybe she's a prostitute. And she has a daughter who's demon-possessed. And might I remind you, or might we're going to find out, this woman is not an Israelite. So she does not believe in, in the God of the Bible. In fact, the very next verse, it says, It says, Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Mark gives us that specific detail because he, he, one, wants us to know the crisis of this woman. She has a demon-possessed daughter, and there's nothing she can do about it. She just has to watch her daughter suffer. But then Mark gives us this detail about her character. Says she's this Syrophoenician woman. Now, you and I read that, we're like, okay, I don't know really what that means. Mark is not talking about her ethnicity, Mark is talking about her religious background. We are told in another place that she's a Canaanite. Now, some of you, maybe that sounds familiar, You're like, oh, the Canaanites. Aren't there all these stories about the Canaanites in the Old Testament? Yeah, there is. And if you read about the Canaanite people, they worshiped a God called Baal. And there were two aspects about their worship that, um, might I say, are just uh, horrifying. One of the ways in which they would worship is at times they would take their own children and they would sacrifice their own children to God. Not the God we worship, but this other false God, Baal. But then the other kinds of worship that they would do is that if they went to like their version of the temple, there would be temple prostitutes there. So this is their church service. You know, we take our kids and we drop them off at children's ministry and and have them learn more about who God has made them to be and that they can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ these families went to church and dropped off their kids and didn't necessarily come home with all of them. They would go to worship and would just absolutely do the most moralistically unholy things. And Mark is like, yeah, that's, that's who this woman is. Now it doesn't tell us why this girl is demon possessed, but it is very fair that the reason why this little five-year-old girl is the way that she is is because mom opened up her daughter to those kinds of evil things. And those of us who are parents, this is not the point of the sermon, but it's just a reminder. My goodness, there are a lot of things at the fingertips of our children That can open them to a world that is so moralistically lost and depraved. And and I know this sounds crazy, but even demonic. And that's what this woman has seemed to have done. And this is the character of this woman. And she comes to Jesus... Because she has realized that her ways, they just haven't worked. This other God that she's worshipped, it's not working. In fact, it's gone worse. And she has heard about this Jesus. Doesn't tell us how she heard about this Jesus. Jesus has traveled way north. He is in an area where there were no Israelite Jewish people who lived there. He's way up north. And you're wondering why? Well, because they all wanted to kill Jesus in Israel. And so Jesus has to flee. This is as far north as he will get in his ministry. And so you have this woman who has zero character and a massive crisis. And she comes to Jesus and it says... That she begs Jesus. The language is that she will not leave. She will not stop. And she's begging Jesus. Now, maybe you've read other parts of the book of Mark. And you've seen a similar story. And people come to Jesus and ask for healing. And Jesus' instant response is, yes, I will heal you. And you're like, Yeah. Jesus, way to go. That's my Jesus. This story's different. Let's read what happens. It says, well, let's go backtrack for a second. Verse 26. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. So you read this and you can't help but wonder, hold up. Did Jesus just call this woman a dog? Did anybody think that that's kind of what Jesus just did there? Some of you are like, no, because that's crazy. But he says to her, let the children be fed first. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is a lot different reaction than what we've seen Jesus do before, where he just like instantly heals them. Let's make a couple of points here. Point number one Jesus is not trying to offend her. We know he's not trying to offend her for two reasons. One, he's speaking in a parable, he's giving a parable, he's sharing this metaphor. And the other reason, and probably the most significant clue about knowing that Jesus is not trying to offend her, is we're going to read the end of this story, and the woman is not offended one bit. The woman, in fact, is going to go, yeah, no, I hear you, Jesus. You actually nailed it. Spot on. So what is Jesus doing here? What what does he mean by this parable? How come he doesn't just heal this woman? Why instead does he give her like this riddle? Well, let's understand what he's trying to say. He says, let the children be fed first. The children in this parable are the Israelite people. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to this pagan, non-Israelite woman is he's saying, "Um, Sweet lady, I have come to fulfill what the Israelite people failed to do. I have come to bring salvation to the world and to bring people into relationship with God. Something the Israelites were supposed to do. They failed. I'm here to fulfill it. And I am starting with them. That's why he says, let the children be fed first. Not first in terms of better, but first in terms of order. And then he throws in this last part by saying, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, the word dogs here in the Greek, it's literally the puppies, the household pets. And here's what Jesus is saying to this woman, saying, hey, listen, you're a parent, you're a mom, you get this. When it comes to dinner time, you know who you feed first? You, you feed your kids first. And then the pets, they get fed, but they get the leftovers. And, and what he is communicating to this woman is, I have come to fulfill what Israelite, the Israel people failed to do, and I need to share that with them first. And then and then you're up Next. How many of y'all love waiting in line? <laughs> Me too. It's the worst. That's why they have fast pass and all that business. But Jesus, is, he's kind of saying that. Now, the response. It's all in the response. This the, what this woman says. Mark wants us to listen to her response. The woman responds by saying, yes, Lord. In other words, okay, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you, Jesus. Okay, yes, you've come to fulfill what the Israelite people failed to do. You need to start with them. Okay, totally agree with that. But she's not leaving. She says, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I'll be straight with you guys. I've read this passage so many times. And even as a pastor, I'm like, I have no idea what this means. I'm just gonna keep on reading. Man, this what what does this woman even mean by this? So, this is a great exercise this week of just studying and restudying. What does this woman mean when she says this? Here is what this woman is saying. She says, "Okay, yes, Lord. Okay, Jesus, I get, I get you. I realize that you're not going to say yes, but I also didn't quite hear a no either." And then she takes Jesus's parable and, like, literally throws it right back at him, and says, "But hey, let's talk about those dogs for a second. Even they eat." The children's crumbs. What does that mean? Here's what it means. The woman is saying this. Jesus. Your grace and your goodness. It is so abundant. That even the crumbs of your grace. That's good enough for me. If I can't sit at the table if one of your chi- as one of your children right here, right now, that's cool. That's fine. Your grace is so ridiculously abundant and I'm so desperate for you. I will take the crumbs. That's fine. And Jesus responds by saying, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Go back for a moment to this woman, her statement. Because the whole point of this story and really the next story is about this statement this woman makes. In fact, the statement's so powerful. Jesus says, for the statement you just made, I'm going to heal your daughter. What was it? It wasn't just what she said. It was how she did it. Do you, do you notice, did you notice this woman is not taking no for an answer? She, she will not take no for an answer. Have you ever prayed about something or been so desperate about something that you go to God, you go to God, you go to God, and it doesn't seem like there's a yes. And you're like, all right, I've prayed for like five minutes. That is long enough. It's clearly God's will. This is just not going to happen. This woman will not take no for an answer from Jesus. She pushes and she pushes and she pushes. Do you know why she pushes? Do you think she pushes based upon her own character? Do you think she keeps pushing and pushing and pushing because she thinks she deserves it? I have wonderful, lovely children. Got one sitting in the front row. It's move up Sunday, so he's now officially always in church. Yes, very exciting. We're going to test you, see if you remember what dad preached on. My children will come to me. And they will make concessions of things that they want based upon their own character. Based upon, well, I did the work, dad. I did this. I I, I deserve it. And fairness, many times they do. Is this woman begging and pleading for Jesus to heal her daughter based on her goodness? No, this woman is begging and pleading Jesus to heal her daughter based on his goodness, not hers. She is not coming to Jesus and saying, I deserve you. I deserve for you to heal my daughter based on my goodness. No, no, no. She's coming to Jesus and saying, based on your goodness, I am trusting that you will heal my daughter, even though I don't deserve it. This is the point that Mark wants you and I to get. That the grace of God for your life is not based upon what you deserve. It is not based upon what you've done. It's not based upon your character. It is based upon the character of God. It's based upon what he's done for you. And this woman, she realizes that. And so she won't take no. She's like, Jesus, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Not because of who I am, because of who I know who you are. This is the abundance and the availability of God's grace over our lives. I want you to hear this. No matter your crisis, no matter your character, I know some of y'all are sketchy because I'm, you know, sketchy too, okay? Listen, no matter your crisis, no matter your character, God's grace for you is always abundant and always available all the time. And sometimes we can fall into this trap and go, okay, the reason why things aren't going well for me is because I just got to try harder. I just got to do better. I've just got to get my character in ship shape. No, you need the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. The gospel is you're not good enough, but Jesus is. The gospel is that though you are a sinner, Jesus wants to save you. And this woman, she gets it. And so, even though she's stuck, even though she's at her wit's end, even though she realizes that she's out of options, she knows that there's one last option Jesus. I wonder how many of you have a situation in your life where you're at your wit's end. You have a child you love dearly, you've tried everything, try Jesus. You have a health circumstance. You've tried everything. Try Jesus. Jesus can do what we cannot. His grace is abundant and available to all. But will we be like this woman and not let go and say, Jesus, listen, I'm hanging around with you. Until you come and work in and through my life. And then Mark keeps going. He's like, hey, wait, don't end the sermon there. Even though he could. Let me just tell you one more story. And it's, in, 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 and it's meant to complete this first story. And so listen to how this shorter story goes. It says, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they, everybody say they. Mm. They. I want you to get in your mind. Two, three, four, five, six friends. They brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they, everybody say they begged him, that is Jesus, they begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. In the first story, did the woman beg Jesus? Yes. In this story, does the deaf man beg Jesus? Trick question. No. The friends beg they beg Jesus to lay hands on this man. I don't know why. Part of me wonders if this man is just like, hey, listen, I've been deaf my whole life. What does it matter? By the way, in this day, if you had a disability like this, most people thought that the reason why you had that disability is because you did something wrong and it was God's punishment on you. So this is this man's story. Maybe thinking that the reason why he is what he is is because he did something wrong and so God's punishing him. That's bad theology. That's not true. But the friends know something about Jesus and believe something about Jesus that maybe this man doesn't. Which is just a side note. Our mission statement at the Mission Church is to reach and equip people with the gospel. One of the things that we are passionate about is we want to reach people with the good news of the gospel. We believe that Jesus has the power to change people's lives because he's changed ours. And that's these friends. They're like, we got to reach this guy. He needs to come to know and experience Jesus. And so they bring Jesus and they beg Jesus To lay hands on this man. Notice it doesn't say to heal this man. We'll just take a hand laying on. That's what we're good for. Now listen to what happens next. It's about ready to get weird. And you'll see. It says, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. So Jesus doesn't want anybody to see what he's about ready to do. He put his finger. This is Jesus, y'all. He put his fingers in his ears and after spitting touched his tongue. That's what Jesus did. Did Jesus do this to heal the girl? Did he was he spitting on things? Was he putting things in the ears and, and all that business? Friends, I want you to know how weird this is. Go to the person next to you. I want you to get your fingers ready. <laughs> I want you to get a little hockalookie. Just make it real. Just, oh, get a big one. Why are none of you doing this right now? It is very weird. This is strange. This is what Jesus is doing. He doesn't do this before, but he's doing it now. And he looked up to heaven and he sighed, visibly sighing, and said to him, That is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure. And the friends, they said, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Okay. Let's answer the question we're all asking. Jesus, what are you doing, man? Fingers, the ears, that's just, that's that's just not very clean. Spitting, touching tongues. What is Jesus doing? I think he's doing sign language. This man cannot hear, but you know what this man can do? He can see. Jesus pulls this man aside, which is completely different than the story that we just read. The story before the woman is coming to Jesus. Jesus never approaches her. Jesus is just chilling, giving a parable, and then finally saying, oh, that was a great statement. Your daughter is here, healed. But in this case, Jesus takes this man, most likely by the hand, takes him to a private place, and it's like, hey. Watch this. Look at me. And he's touching the parts of his body that don't work as if Jesus is saying, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to do this. Not because you deserve it, but because I love you and because I care for you. And Mark, when he tells this story, the point is the same. The grace of God is abundant and available to all. Those who have very low character and those who have lost faith and are now relying on the faith of a bunch of friends. I want you to hear this. God has nothing but grace for your life. God wants to pour out grace upon your life. Grace in your crisis, grace in your character. But there's one more thing that Mark wants us to see. And I think it has to do with the spitting. we got to understand that these biblical authors here, every word counts. And I don't think Mark is just telling us, well, it's just what happened. He just started spitting. I think Mark is like, hey, I want you to hear this very weird detail. If you keep reading through the book of Mark, and we will... You're going to get to the next chapter and Jesus is going to heal a man and the circumstances are almost exactly the same. The only difference is the other guy is blind and Jesus is going to do this spitting thing. You keep reading and you're going to hear two other times about spitting. The first two times this Greek word for spitting is used It's Jesus spitting to heal somebody, to bring wholeness to somebody. The last two times we're going to hear this word spitting. It's a compound Greek word that is literally spit upon. And it's describing what the people were doing to Jesus when they were preparing to crucify him. They were spitting on him. The biggest theme in Mark's gospel is this. Jesus came to freely give you grace, but it is going to cost him his love. Jesus will spit to heal you, and he's only able to do that because he's going to be spit on and killed. Guys, the grace of God It is free to you and I through Jesus Christ, but it cost Jesus his life. So why wouldn't we receive it? God's grace for your life. It's abundant. It's available right here, right now. And I want to end with this application. If you're sitting here going, okay, how do I apply this to my life? Two applications. Notice how both stories end. Both stories end in the same exact way. They end with a declaration. The last story ends with a declaration that these friends make about Jesus. What do they say? They say, it says, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In other words, these People realized, wow, this Jesus, is there anything too difficult for him? He is incredible. Why why wouldn't everybody pursue and receive the grace that he can pour out on our life? Application number one, friends, make that declaration. Start by saying, Jesus, you truly can do this. You can heal me of all of my sin and give me eternal life. You can give me an abundant life. Whether that abundance is healing me of these challenging circumstances or just walking with me through the challenging circumstances. But start by applying this message by just simply declaring and believing Jesus. You're able You are completely able to work in the situations that are beyond me. But here's the last piece of application. And it is the point of this passage. It is what Mark wants you and I to hear and learn and apply to our life. The first story also ends with a declaration. But it's different than the last declaration. The last declaration, these friends are saying something really amazing about Jesus. The first story ends with a declaration of Jesus saying something amazing about this woman, which is very rare. Can only count on your hands just a few times where Jesus says, okay, everybody stop, everybody look. I want you to see this person because what they just did is awesome. Go do what they did. And that's exactly what Jesus does to this very pagan woman who has now surrendered her life to Jesus. What does Jesus say about her? He says, this statement you've just made is now going to lead to the healing of your daughter. What was it about this woman's statement? I call it humbly, bold faith. That's what Jesus is saying is so impressive about this woman. That is what Jesus is commending you and I to walk in. Humbly, bold faith. She had the humility to come to Jesus and go, you know what? I can't do this myself. One of the biggest things that keeps people away from the grace of God in their life is because they don't think they need God. It does take humility to come to the end of yourself and go, you know what? I can't do this. And Jesus is saying, there is no safer place to be than at the feet of Jesus saying, I can't do this. That is one of the most counterintuitive things about the gospel. That it's not when we get our act together that we can receive the grace of God. It's when we admit that we'll never get our act together. And that we desperately need God. Are we humble enough to go, Jesus, listen, I I can't do this. I, I need you. She's humble but yet, she's so bold. She comes to Jesus like, hey, I need you. I can't do this without you. And oh, by the way, I'm not letting go. I'm not leaving your presence until you work in my life. Not based on who I am, but based on who you are, Jesus. And I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes I wonder how unbold our faith can be. How we pray a prayer, Lord, would you help me with this? Okay, it didn't really work out. I guess I'll just try it out myself this time. There are circumstances that you're walking through right now where Jesus is saying, be like this woman. Humbly come before me and wait upon me as I walk with you through this circumstance. And there are times where Jesus will do exactly what he did for this woman. Bring healing. And then there's other times where Jesus says, you know what? I want to do something greater than change your circumstance. I want to change you. And so I'm going to walk through this trial with you. The circumstance is not going to change, but you are. Either way, we need Jesus for both of them. So, start by just saying, Jesus, you got this. And then humbly come before him and don't let go. And I promise you, he will do far more abundantly than you could ever ask or imagine. Because his grace, it is abundant. And it is available for all. And it's that. All because. He died for us. Let me pray for us. Father would you just. Overwhelm us with that truth. Your grace. It's available to us right here. Right now. Not because of who we are. But because of who you are. Lord. For those who are here and they they need you and are desiring you, would you meet them where they are at? Just like you met this, this deaf man where he was at. Lord, may this be a day where we surrender our crises to you. Where we surrender our character flaws to you and experience your grace being poured out upon us. We pray this and everybody said, Amen.